Praise God. This is a day the Lord hath made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, That's man, true. I like that. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it like that. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. You know, it's it's funny. We um, we often forget just that constant state of thankfulness and how to and just be appreciative to God for what He does. And in all things, give thanks. In all things, give thanks. That's yeah. Yeah, we just if you know, and then that's living in an attitude whereby our mindset is is not on that of the negative, but it's that on what God is doing, even amongst the negative, even amongst the turmoil or whatever. But what God is doing promotes and presents us with such an opportunity to give thanks. Right. If we'll do it. And the choice is ours, isn't it? Yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, it, and I, you know, it's funny because, you know, coming out of a season for the past week or so where, where, both my children were sick and my wife was sick and everything. Yes. It's very easy to fall into a pattern of whininess and it is and complaining about yeah. everybody's everybody's not feeling good. Everybody's yeah. but, but then catching yourself and realizing I'm like, Yeah, but everybody's getting better. Right. And everybody's healing. Right. And God's still in control of the situation. And you know, I caught myself, especially towards the end of the week, getting a little just I'm fed up of, of everybody being sick. You right. Know, you're, you're, I was getting irritated, even though I was the one that was healthy. And instead of being like, thank you, Lord, for protecting me and shielding me from whatever yeah. is attacking my household. Amen. Uh, and right. so that I could serve yeah. <laughs> and so I could serve and take care of everybody in my household because everybody was feeling ill. And of course, you know, sick 10 month old is a sick. That's a sick baby. Yeah. You know, they're just she, they, they're fussy. Sure they're yeah. they're yeah. ill. They don't they don't cooperate. They're They're the worst patients, really. <laughs> they're not right <laughs> getting them to take medicine getting them to drink water That's getting right. them, you know they, they don't like to participate but it's one yeah. of those things where we still can't lose sight of the fact that we have to be thankful for the the blessings that god is giving us mm-hmm. you know the fact that the weather cooled off so you know i wasn't sweating as de- heavily Hallelujah. as i'm running back and forth to the stores or running back and forth trying to take you know and, and it's hard sometimes when we lose sight of that that it's easy and how often does God just have to sit and listen to his people just complain yeah, and complain right. and ask for stuff and, and moan because they don't have things and all those things. Now, while he's a loving father and he, he, he listens to the petitions of his people and he hears and he answers prayer and all that, Amen. it has to be frustrating to just constantly hear the, the worst side of things. You know, the, oh, the yeah. negative side of things and people only want to come to you with the hardships and people only want to come to you when they want or when they need. Or <laughs> and so and it's funny because what that naturally makes me think of is the fact that, well, where are we at in our maturing walk of the right. faith? You know, where are we at with maturing in the faith? Because are we staying in that infantile stage where all we do is go to God? You know, with that genie mentality right, of like, right. you know, fulfill my wishes, fulfill right. my wishes, uh, yeah. f- meet my needs. Right. You know, while he's more than more than faithful and just to do so, and he always answers the prayer. Sometimes it's just no. Um, you know, we blame a lot of things on this genie mentality of how we want to view God. Right. You know, and that's you know we we were talking about that briefly this morning before the podcast started how. 
somebody in, in, in our, in our, within our ministries had stated that, you know, they have a relative that always wants to say, well, there can't be a loving God because there's too much suffering in the world. Oh, and there good. can't be, you know, there can't be too much yep. because there's this or because there's that. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, any other time in any other subject, we want to say, well, I'm in control. You know, I have the knowledge, I have the power, you know, you know, whatever, except when it comes to placing our faith in something. And then we're just like, no, well, hold on. But if it's in control, then I don't need to be like, no, God gave us free will. God gave us authority and the earth is cursed because of us. And sin has created a a scenario and created an atmosphere where if we're existing in that freedom and liberty to have personal opinion, we also have personal responsibility. Exactly. Exactly. We're also responsible for the fact that, no, you know, if there's people hurting, meet the need. If there's people suffering, do something about it. You know, it, yes. you know, we if you if you want your government to change, participate in your government. At least here in the U.S., we have that freedom. You know, that was right. one of the things where you know we are a government supposedly of the people and by the people. So if you got a problem, yes. supposedly okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> designed to be. Is it? Um, <laughs> oh, you're talking about constitutional government. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. We're not going to get no, 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 steer no. clear. But, but the yeah. fact of the matter is, is that we have a personal responsibility and personal giftings. That's why, uh, you know, Scripture teaches us that the Spirit encourages giftings that are of God that are different for each person. Exactly. You know, your giftings as a minister and my giftings and call to the ministry are completely different styles of giftings. Yes. You know, you, yes. you, you know, where, you know, you are much more a teacher and, and those type of things. Like, uh, you know, I'm just a spaz. <laughs> okay, okay. find the definition on that and see if I agree with that or not. Um, oh. It's funny, you know, and and so as we as we continue to look at, you know, I feel like over the past several podcasts we've been talking about in a very roundabout, sporadic way, we talk about well, what is the word, and it's hard to do so without just saying, well, this is in the word. This is the truth of the word, so it, come on, it identifies itself. It, 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 it kind of illuminates what it is to the person that's participating in it, you know? And so, yes. and so as we're coming now and we, we start thinking about those things, you know, I know uh, you had mentioned to me that, well, maybe we need to just kind of move towards talking about just the foundations of, and then didn't finish that statement. And right. I think, I think that's the right thing to do. It's just like, no, let's talk about the foundation of all this, you know, rather than trying yes. to be like, let's define, you know, <laughs> all of, all of these different things and all, cause it's, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that faith is so paramount in understanding any of this and all of this, Absolutely. that, that if you, choose to ignore faith or choose not to engage in and choose not to acknowledge your spirit, man, choose not to acknowledge that you have a spirit or a soul, then this is a really hard pill to swallow. Yes. It's, I mean, it is, it's just a really long, boring book. No, well, I wouldn't go that far. But, but, but no, no, I mean, in in reality, in reality, I mean, from a 21st century perspective, sure. When literacy is on a decline, as far as okay. you know, it's as far as actually sitting down and reading a book. Okay. And when we're talking about a world, you know, a media-driven world, right. and if you choose to ign- just completely disassociate yourself from anything that is not temporal and and physical and tangible and exciting and you know, multi-million-dollar budgets behind it, if if nothing if nothing you want to engage with, it, it is j- requires you to sit still. Yeah. 
you know, that's a lot of it. Like, yeah. and, and people, people, I think a lot of times that's kind of the alluring part of a lot of the Eastern philosophies and a lot of the Eastern mysticism and all is that it teaches people to sit still because people don't want to take the responsibility to sit still with the word of God. They just, they need someone to tell them how to sit still. Yeah. That's right. And so, and so because yeah, and God's yeah. been asking us to be still and know for a long time. That was how creation, the creation story goes. Exactly. He created everything exactly. and sat still for a whole day. Wow. You know, like, wow. He's like, you know, he was just like, Hey everybody, like yeah. meditating and being at rest and being at peace is not yeah. a, that's a foundational concept, not a new concept. No, like, no, that's right. <laughs> He God didn't. did that, but we in our in our Western thinking, we're thinking, no, I can't do that because there's other things I want to do. But God's saying, here's what you ought to do. Yeah, you got you you work, you put your all into this here, and then be still and know that I'm God. Right. And and you know we've we've turned that thing all kinds of directions, but uh, yeah. yeah, you know, He yeah. created Adam on the sixth day, and the seventh day was a day of rest, which means Adam's first day of existence was chill. Wow. Yeah, I never <laughs> thought of it like that. Yeah, that's good. The first, yeah, he like he's like, all right, you're here. Yeah, yeah. Chill out. <laughs> we'll go to work Monday. There you Chill go. out right now, or there you know you whatever the 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 yom was. That's, that started <laughs> out there because you know Sunday's the first day of the week. Most right. people don't know that. Right. So in Sunday, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. There yeah, again, you know, our mindset, and the words it did. Yeah, we need to read the word, ride the ride. That's what we need to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, take the yum, take the rest. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, very good. Very good. That's right. You know, the Hebrew it's... word. That's exactly right. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but not get caught up there again. You know, so we say the Hebrew word, and we 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 know that the foundational text and the God's chosen people are are the the Hebrew nation and the nation of Israel and and those things. But also acknowledging that the scripture includes them because the law is profitable for teaching and instruction exactly. and all those things. Sure. But Titus, in Titus, it warns us that the false teachers will manipulate that Hebrew and Jewish tradition, that Judaism, to corrupt Christianity if all we want to focus on is the Old Testament. Right. Those amongst us that just wanna that just wanna be legalistic about it, exactly. just want to focus in on the Jewish part of things, it is a corrupting thing. Right. You know, that's one thing that's one thing there there in Titus you can find that that when he talks about these these arrogant false teachers that have come amongst the brethren there and that exactly. have been abusing downright abusing him. Like Paul gets yes. kind of snarky when he's it is Paul talking to Titus, isn't that? Yes. That's right. You know yes. Paul gets kind of snarky, he's like, well Excuse me for not ranting on about this idiocracy and smacking y'all around and everything. Maybe I haven't been bold enough. My apologies that I haven't been arrogant enough to do that. You know, but you know, he's literally he's like because sometimes I think that's what people are wanting. They're wanting some. They're wanting people to come along. There, it goes both ways. People either want to be left alone by the word of God, or they want to be beat over the head with it. And the fact of the matter is, it's not because it's a relationship thing. And healthy relationships are neither. They're neither isolationist nor are they abusive. Like, that's not how it works. You know, there yes. shouldn't be mom and dad sleeping on opposite ends of the houses because they can't stand each other. And it shouldn't be one one adult beating up on the other one. Yeah, and in exactly. the same thing, the union of, of the church or the modern believer or believers, because that's what the church is, it's the unity of believers, to God, that marriage that's coming to pass, we're in the engagement period of it now, 
should not be an abusive one on either side. We shouldn't be abusing the testimony of Christ by saying we're Christians and acting other than. Right. Just just like we shouldn't expect God or Christ to say, oh, I'm going to bat for you for God, but I'm just going to sit up here next to God and tell him how we're screwing up. That's not what he's doing. Right. So we shouldn't be abusive to that relationship, just like we wouldn't want to see that on in a human relationship. Exactly. You know, yeah. so I think that's why it's so important that we step back and we start looking at what are the foundations of the Bible? What are the foundational truths of a Christian worldview? And what are the foundational truths that teach us how to interpret Scripture, teach us how to understand God's will for our life, teach Good. us to understand those yes. things? And I think I think there again we can we can look to the Word of God, and, you know, obviously because you know we're we're so far removed from the the direct interaction to Christ as a person that we have to be reliant on the Word of God and Word of Christ and the Spirit because that was one of the blessings, the gift of Jesus' departure was the fact that He's going to send us the spiritual helpmate. So what are the foundations we want to delve into today based on based on what you've you know, if that let me and let me throw this in before we get there too, because it dawned on me and I think I may have made reference to this uh, in a couple of podcasts to go, but I think it was Coldridge of old that mm-hmm. was quoted in one um, one section of scripture. I was searching through through a great Bible teacher. And some thoughts there. And he said, the, the Coleridge always said, the, the amazing thing about the scripture, the, the word to him. And I think this is the wonderful thing, to getting back to some of what you were saying. Because all through the ages we find testimony after testimony after testimony. Mm-hmm. And right up to current times of this very thing. Coleridge says, the Bible always finds me. Yep. Now based on that. Then, then there's a choice to be made. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible find the Bible confronts us. You know, you talk about being hit over the head, and that's something I've always been a bit averse to, right? Because you know, I came up in a tradition where we had a lot of that surrounding us. I was blessed in the fact that in my raising, uh, we were a part of New Testament fellowships that had a lot of love. Right. That was discipline. I mean, in people, we followed after spiritual disciplines, and we had classes and teachings and certainly had some dynamic preaching mm-hmm. uh, in the Word of God. And, and But the wonderful thing about that was the, the Word confronted us. The Word mm-hmm. got a hold of us. It wasn't a matter of being beat into submission, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that approach goes. I don't no. really think that is of Christ myself. Mm-hmm. Now, He is a righteous judge, and we see that time and time again. It does not disassociate Him from the fact that He is a righteous judge. Right. There are those things that move him in anger. In fact, some of our reference we may get to today, perhaps, is, is where in the transition of of going from Moses to Joshua in the in the fifth book of the Pentateuch in the mm-hmm. Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. Uh, there Moses records uh, for us the fact that God becomes anger. His anger is stirred. In fact, there. Let me just go ahead. Let me just go ahead and yeah, go, go there. there and read go that. Ahead, yeah. Because um, this is what we're all about anyway, right? Reading the Word. Y'all, mm-hmm. forgive me. This cord seems to be bothering me again. I mean, I tell you what. We get blessed. I'm going to have to get one of those uh, wireless dudes. Huh? <laughs> there you go. Uh, Deuteronomy <laughs> they, what again? Deuteronomy 32. Okay. And um, 
you know, because he says, let the, let the earth hear the words of my mouth. It's interesting because he's talking to the people of Israel, and yet everyone's included in this, okay? Mm-hmm. And he had just got through confronting them about what he called their stubbornness, their rebellion, and we certainly struggle with that today. Is, is, you know, well, this is what I think, and that's what counts, you know, type of thing. Or we, we've got this idea that whatever pops up in our meager little mind is is got to be it. Mm-hmm. But he says, listen to this. He said, as I proclaim, verse 3, I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribing greatness to our God. The rock, mm-hmm. his work is perfect. For all his ways are just, a God of faithfulness and without injustice, mm-hmm. righteous, and upright is he. And he, he goes back through here and talks about the very fact he recounts to them, reminds them, if you will, okay, mm-hmm. calls them back to realize what the facts were. This is what gets me in our day and time. A lot of times folks say, well, they've got this opinion, that opinion. They're trying to recreate something and call it this or that. Mm-hmm. When when the testimony, the facts are the facts. And, and ultimately he comes back to Israel and said, here's the facts. He found you, an enslaved people, and set you free. He found you in a desert and fed you and clothed you. And, you know, the Bible says their shoes didn't even wear out all those years in the wandering. Water coming out of the rock, fresh meat, you know, manna, the bread of God, all those things. And and, and so he reminds us in this, this is part of the Song of Moses, by the way. Right, Some may, right, may refer right. to that or know that, and some Bibles may actually title it that way, but this is what's often called the Song of Moses. Mm-hmm. And and anyway, he's recounting the greatness of God, but also the fact that God was had become upset with these people. Let me let me say, he said that in verse uh, in in chapter thirty-two. Yeah, we're continuing mm-hmm. chapter thirty-two, verse eighteen. He said, "You neglected the rock who begot you, yep. and forgot the God who gave you birth." Mm-hmm. And so he goes on here. He says, there's a fire has been kindled in my anger and burns to the lowest part of Sheol, then consumes the earth with its yield and sets on fire the foundations of the mountains. Now, here he's talking about the shaking of the very foundations of who they were. You know, they went on the holy mountain to receive the word of God. In fact, they went twice, you know. Um, because there again, emotion got a hold of Moses, and, and well, that's another story, isn't it? Bless you. But here's the whole thing. He comes down here and he says, he said, instead, their rock, a small r, is not our rock. Mm-hmm. You see, he points all through here, you can see. And then he starts talking about, he said, even our enemies themselves judge this, for their vine is from the vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of poison, mm-hmm. their clusters, bitter, and their wine is the venom of serpents and deadly poison of cobras. And so he goes on to say, listen, there's going to be many who offer you all manner of alternative. He says, your rebellion, your stubbornness has brought you to this point. But those grapes didn't taste as good as you thought they were. They were poison to you. That wine was bitterness to you because their rock was not your rock. And so here's the thing. God says his rock. Let me go back to that one more time in in chapter 32, verse Mm 4. The rock, his work, is perfect. So you can't do any better than perfect, I don't believe. And for all his ways are what? They're just. Mm -hmm. 
a God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Mm -hmm. Now, that's what I want to be in on right there. Earlier in the books of Moses, there was the story of a man named Abraham. Abram Mm -hmm. began, his name was changed to Abraham. When we get to Hebrews chapter 11, we find in there what's that 11th chapter is many, many times referred to as the the roll call of the faithful, the great chapter of the faithful. I've seen it uh, listed as many different things there. But in Hebrews 11, in verse beginning with verse 8, he says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Now that's faith. Mm-hmm. He went out. And so we see in verse 8 that by faith Abraham, he obeyed, and he went out. Mm-hmm. And he left. When you go back into Genesis, you, you get the story there uh, in chapter 12, and all, where Abram went out into Ur of the Chaldees, and um, he left there, which was the very heart of, of the, the occult world of that day, idolatry and false gods. He went out from amongst that. Um, he stayed for a time in Haran until his father passed. Right. And he and it said there he buried his father. Then he went on. So he did not, though he honored his family, honored his father, he had all his people with him mm-hmm. that would that would choose to go with him. And yet he went on then without knowing exactly where his destination was. And verse nine it says, By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise. Now, there's, a, there's something I'd love to get back to maybe sometime. Mm-hmm. At, by faith, he lived as an alien. We all want to live where we're comfortable, yep. where we know about everything and everybody knows us and all this. And, and you know because of your upbringing. I know because of my upbringing <laughs> in the military family. You go where you're ordered to go. Right. You go where you're sent a mm-hmm. lot of times. We've always went where we believe the Lord was leading us, five right. years on the international field overseas and right. and all over the country. You know, we've been different places where we felt God would have us to go. And so you always kind of feel like you're a little bit out of place. You always feel like you're kind of that alien. You know, yeah. you're, you're not home per se. Right. But the wonderful thing about it is when you're there by faith, God is with you. Well, and it transforms that place yes. into home. Because that's, you know, that there I can speak to that, especially when we talk about the international front. And when it comes to my heart and my, my when I when I think about a place that is home for me, if the mission, the, the place there in, in Bremen, Germany, where, where God placed us when I was a young child, not able to speak the language when we first went and all those things and got put into a, a school that where only a few of the teachers spoke English and I had to adapt and learn the language and all those things. And this very alien place, this very daunting and scary place. <laughs> but in my heart, God transformed it into that's my home. That's my hometown. Like when I yeah. think about when I think about places that I places that put, pull me back or that I long for in my life, that's that's the spot. Like that's home for me. That's my hometown for my heart. And it's funny that that's a place that is completely removed from the culture and origin of my people. You know, there again, yeah. yeah right now, you know, where we where we live in South Carolina is quite literally for half of for half of my people for my father's side of the family and yep. all that is the origin spot uh for the last couple hundred years for yes. our people 
and yes. I'm living smack dab in the middle of it. But there yeah. are moments where even being comfortable sitting on the front porch of my own home, I feel displaced from the place that is my heart's home. And, <laughs> you know, and I long, I long to be back in, in another place. And it, it's, it's not just for the food or cuisine or any, you know, the, the ambiance or, or the access to Western Europe. But it's just the fact that that's the spot where the Lord just kind of transformed who I was and who I was going to be, well, amen. you know, in that. Because because my parents were obedient to step out by faith and step into a situation that was completely alien and foreign to them yes. and, and all those yeah. things. But that has become, by love and, and, and through experiencing the relationships to both a place and a people that can happen yes. when you're when you're placed uh, when you're separated from your people then exactly. it's you know when you're when you're interacting with God's chosen people for you i think that was when i first came into the realization of the the concept of a a chosen family you know that was one of the things that i think really revealed to me the fact that you can have family that is not your biological family it's the family of Christ, the family, the the really the experience of being part of a New Testament fellowship where you have brothers and sisters in Christ who become surrogate aunts and uncles, who become surrogate cousins, who become yeah. the, the, the actual family unit that you become to rely on. Right. You know, we had we had blessed fam families like the, the Crandalls and, and a oh, few man. others oh, that man. literally became family yeah. members to us. Exactly. That that in lieu of real family that we didn't have present in, That's the, right. in lieu of, and a lot of those roles that are so necessary for proper development, especially I'm speaking from a child's perspective because I, I was a child and early heading towards my early adolescence and That's teens right. in that period when I was there, there's some relationships you hunger for. Exactly. And I found those relationships filled by the family of God because the others weren't around. Amen. You know that there, there again, as we talk about Abraham and stepping out by faith and living as an alien, like his children grew mm -hmm. up without their aunts and uncles, grew up without the right. extended family, which right. is so vital to, especially you know when we talk about reading stuff and taking into consideration the the setting. Like if you know anything about the the Israeli people, like they are very family oriented. It's exactly. a tight knit. I mean, especially. In ancient times, when they're more Bedouin tribes and when they were more, mm -hmm. you know, dead uh, based and all, I mean, literally the wall, the walls of your house, like your back wall was the side wall of your, of your family member's home because they would Probably just build so. off. I mean, that, there again, if you understand ancient structures and yeah. towns and any of that yeah. kind of stuff, and even tent cities, mm -hmm. like you build off the neighbor. Like it's not just a we, you know, we think about modern tents where you just have your own pop tent and your family lives sure. in. Sure. That's not what it was. They built off the exit, the external walls of your neighbor. Mm -hmm. So it became a giant city. It became exactly. a, a giant thing. And so when you when we talk about Abraham moving by faith away from his people, he was literally isolating himself right. from the bounty of the tribe, exactly. isolating his children from the the richness of education beyond himself and God. You know, God. He was the natural. What what was happening? was i mean completely foreign it'd be almost the same thing as you know not to bring science fiction into this but it's the same idea of being literally plucked off the earth abducted and placed in a in a foreign land that's literally what was happening here and he did it willingly by faith because he felt that that was what god would have him do why you know? would he do that why 
Why was it? And was God, see, now this is where some might want to come around and slip in the door here and say, well, you see, God was breaking up the family. No, uh -huh. we know that God instituted the home and, and the family is the, is the God ordained unit, right? you know, to, to have those kind of bonds and that strength and that kind of loyalty and commitment to one another. And God continues to encourage that to this very day. Right. The further we get from that, the more chaos is promoted. Right. I think in, inadvertently then, I mean, well, maybe not inadvertently, but ultimately I think some of the results of that chaotic process of pulling away from the family unit mm -hmm. has presented us now to where we have cities that are littered with homeless people who have chosen to be homeless. Right. And, Right. And, a t and detached from family and removed from family for whatever the reasons. And, of course, there's a lot of reasons and things that are presented. But I think overall the problem is as we see the effect of the, the curse of sin mm -hmm. in the world as it progresses, right. we see these type of side effects. We see these right. kind of symptomatic things that happen. But what was it about Abraham? What was, Then he was called Abram. Right. What was it about Abram, verse Nine, if you're still with us mm -hmm. there, you say, it said, by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, mm -hmm. as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. There you mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, with your family, fellow heirs of the same promise. Mm -hmm. For he was looking mm -hmm. for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Yep. Now, this is this is powerful. This gets into something very powerful. We think about foundations, and, and I noted a couple things here about that because he was, in the New Living Translation, puts it this way, he was confidently looking mm -hmm. for not a city. Now, I've heard, and I've read it wrong before. I've read over it, just said he was looking for a city. No, he wasn't looking for a city. Mm -hmm. He was looking for the city. Yep. What was he looking for? He was looking for the city, and ultimately, it says whose foundations, and there again, the the uh, New Living Translation puts it designed and built by God. Mm -hmm. Now, my NASB updated. I like. I also like the way that reads too. He says, "For he for he was looking for us the city, which has foundations, whose architect and builder mm -hmm. is God." Who? Where was he talking about? Who was he talking about? Look with me over in the very next chapter, mm -hmm. because wow. there again, the scripture, the scripture, it's like Jesus said, he did not come to destroy the law or destroy the word that they had at that time. Right. You know, the Old Testament was the word of God to mm -hmm. the people up to the coming of the son and the, and the introduction of a new covenant into the world. And he said, but he came to fulfill it. Literally, the, mm -hmm. the literal translation there is to fill it full. Right. And so that's that's the exciting thing about what happens in the person of Christ Jesus. Right. He fulfills everything God began in the law. In mm -hmm. fact, Paul explains that the law was a like a guardian or a teacher to that younger upcoming heir of the home mm -hmm. the of, of the kingdom, whatever whatever realm that was, particularly in the Roman world it was who, who was going to become the next papa, the next heir the next leader of the family right yeah the okay. heir parent heir there you go heir parent and if you go to hebrews chapter 12 and look at verse um, 22 
and we we're, we're kind of joining into some things that that uh, the writer of Hebrews tells us. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and the myriads of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. See to it. Now, notice what the instructions are. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those who did, for the, if those, excuse me, did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then and but now he has promised saying yet once more i will shake not only the earth but also the heaven and he's quoting out of he's he's referring back into the prophet haggai uh, i believe it is there if i'm not mistaken uh we could we have to double check that so here the writer of hebrews tells us that city he's looking for is is that of what was referred to as mount zion the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So here in, in the, in the uh, reference we have in chapter 12, we have an exact holy GPS, if you will. We have a location identified. We have the person exactly identified in verse 24. It says, but Jesus, but is as to Jesus, the, the mediator of a new covenant, and we have the exact instructions that are given to us who would be the people of God, mm-hmm. who, would, who would accept the, cho- the challenge, who would, accept, who would accept the confrontation of God's word by the Holy Spirit and say, yes, that's for me. Mm-hmm. I'll stand on him, the rock. Right. You see, I believe there was a precedent there mm-hmm. that Abraham established that Moses would later refer back to. This is the rock. 